0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Plumber's Journey podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Cox, a master plumber and owner of Forthright Plumbing in Tampa, Florida. The Plumber's Journey podcast is the only podcast dedicated to telling the real stories of real plumbers. I believe that plumbers are misunderstood by the public and that plumbers play an important role in protecting the health of the nation. I'm a passionate advocate for the plumbing career field, and I believe high school students should take a careful look at the opportunities present in a plumbing career when deciding what path to take in life. A career in the skilled trades can be a short path to a high-income, low-debt lifestyle that has unlimited opportunities for growth and a clear path to entrepreneurship. My guest today is Britt Moore. Britt Moore is a master plumber from Augusta, Kansas. He has been a plumber for 22 years and runs a plumbing service company in Andover, Kansas. He is also an inventor, real estate investor, and an avid outdoorsman. And without further ado, here's the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Plumber's Journey podcast. Today, I've got Britt Moore. How are you doing today, Britt?
1: I'm doing good, Ricky. How are you doing?
0: I'm great, man. Been a long day, but I'm excited for this episode of the podcast.
1: Yeah. So where it. are you from, Britt? So uh Augusta, Kansas, where I grew up. And uh our shop is out of Andover, and we have a little shop over in El Dorado, which is just uh all within about 20 miles of each other.
0: So just some small towns here. That's cool. So you live in small town Kansas? Yep. Very yep. cool
1: so uh, probably a population of like 12,000,
0: uh, oh, which is wow. crazy, right?
1: That, that is yeah, kind of crazy.
0: I live in a big city, so it's completely opposite.
1: Dude. So there's like, uh, you know, let's say 20 plumbers in this area of Butler County. It's the biggest county in Kansas, but population-wise, it's only about 40,000 people in the county, but uh, the amount of plumbers and business that we do and technicians we have and plus what everybody else has, you wouldn't believe how many plumbing problems, you know, 40,000 people can have uh, every day.
0: How many plumbers do you think are in your area?
1: So, you know, Wichita, Kansas is uh, just about five miles from my shop in Andover, uh, which is 300,000 people. So excluding Wichita, which we work a lot in Wichita, but in these small areas where we really started our business and built our customer base, um, you know, I would say like 15 service companies, and then you have commercial companies and guys that aren't really out on the front lines that you know are here, but they are, you know, so those companies hard cool. to hard to say. You know. So
0: if you had to guess three, 400 plumbers in the area, Max?
1: Probably something like that, yeah.
0: So they say on average it's about 1% of the population is plumbers. Or are, are plumbers? Yeah, about 1% of yeah. plumbers. Okay, you haven't heard that. I would say
1: uh, it's probably pretty accurate.
0: Well, it makes sense. I mean, you know, every home is a living, breathing building, right? Every, you know, whether it's residential, commercial, every. You know, every building in the United States basically has to have working plumbing, so there's got to be a plumber somewhere to support that, whether they're building it, or repairing it, or maintaining it. Right?
1: Yep. Yep. Kind of like the uh, circulatory system of of the building.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So
0: how long have you yeah, been?
1: Uh, so I've been I've been plumbing since probably 1999. Started out working with my uncle during the summer. And then in 2001, I went full-time. And then I worked new construction for about 11 years. And then, you know, when the economy, the housing crisis happened, uh, then we really started getting into more service work. And so that's kind of, I liked it more. just a change of pace. And um, I went and worked for a bigger company for a while and realized, if they can do it, I can do it. And then I started my own thing in uh, 2011.
0: Wow. So you've been in business for yourself for 10 years. Yep. What, man, I, I kind of want to skip ahead to ask you about your business. Cause I, I see, you know, y'all's uniforms and your hats. And it seems like you guys are making a killing. Can you tell us a little bit about your business?
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, what, what do you want to know about it?
0: I just tell what me your you story, like man. To- just whatever you want to so, tell So, um,
1: well, we started out in my house that i have lived in for about 10 years just a Mm -hmm. little bitty house in my carport and we took plywood and closed it in and we put a plywood door on it. And we worked out of that for about six months. Um, When I quit my job, I had a kid on the way in six months and everybody told me I was crazy and I shouldn't quit. I had insurance and company phone and truck and good, good pay, you know. The Um, spirit
0: of the entrepreneur finds a way, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, Tony Robbins says you burn the boats, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) uh, Because it's either
1: we're going to confirm or die. That was my mentality. I love it. And so uh, the day my son was born, I was getting decals put on a building I just bought. So in six months, we were fortunate enough to get business. And uh, uh, something I want to talk about, about that too. Part of the reason I think we were successful as fast as we were, but uh, we bought a building. I went and checked on the logos getting painted on it the day my son was born, and then we just snowballed it from there. I mean, I went out two days later on an emergency call at 10 o'clock at night for a a Chinese restaurant, you know. So that's kind of how we uh, just grown fast and to where we are is because uh, the phone rang, we answered the call, we went out no matter what, we didn't turn anything down. And we just put a bunch of those days on top of each other. Uh, yeah. Now we have, we we lost a guy and we let a guy go. It's the first of the year. So we're down to one, two, three, four plumbers and two helpers. And then our two HVAC guys and our secretary. So, um, but we, you know, we just, uh, we do the best we can do, man. And just try to take all of our opportunities and, now, you know, we're able to kind of weed through calls we don't want. Sure. Uh, you know, how you get Is a customer that, a that takes a lot of your time. And yeah, yeah. so uh, we're kind of in a sweet spot right now.
0: Very, very cool. So, okay, so you've been in business for 10 years. You've got, I think you said seven or eight employees. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven or eight employees. That's exciting. Um, what, what, What would you say your favorite type of plumbing jobs are? As a business owner and as a plumber
1: well you know uh my favorite personally one is the profit margin um but the other one is just the amount amount of planning and difficulty and what kind of sets us apart here is like a street cut sewer replacement Mm -hmm. um it requires a lot of ducks to be in a row the day you show up to get the thing done close the street down get a company out to detour traffic that's what we really like and we do a lot of them and have done a lot of them um but people here turn them down a lot of guys won't go over six foot deep some won't go over four foot deep we do them 13 foot deep in the middle of a busy intersection or a major traffic way those are the ones I i like because it requires me to be engaged
0: Yeah, things
1: kind of get sometimes where you don't really have to pay as much attention because you got people that do stuff for you. And so, you know, but when I when I have to be there doing that, that's what I really
0: strive doing that. I like to do. That's cool. Yeah. That's a specialty, I would assume, in your area, because like you said, Mm -hmm. if they only go six feet down. There's only there's only going to be a handful of plumbing contractors that will touch that 13 foot deep mark, I assume.
1: Yep. that and that. the logistics of it, but it's it's a that would be one of the funner jobs we do that you
0: know I, I like to see them on the schedule. So you've been a plumber for 22 years. I'm I'm kind of going to backtrack a little bit. Um, can okay. you tell us a little bit about your qualifications, some of your certifications? What separates yeah, so you in the marketplace, both as a plumber and as a, a business owner?
1: Well, I'll be honest with you, Ricky. Uh, I'm just a master plumber right i don't have much other than that um, that's great what really separates me is which i didn't realize this until recently uh but i always assumed when you call somebody they show up well they answer the phone and then they show up and then they do the work they're supposed to do the right way you know right um but coming to find out uh, and we heard a lot when we were talking about going to other cities was People always said, hey, we really need someone that answers the phone. Or when you schedule an appointment, you show up to it or you show up on the time. You said those things is what really sets us apart. And it's not even a hard thing to do. It's nothing special. Uh, And this is what I always tell people are starting a business. Like the only thing you have to do, you can be mediocre. Like I don't don't say I'm the greatest plumber. Um, But you just have to answer the phone, show up when you say you are, and then
0: do the job right.
1: So and it you're going like to be in customer the customer service
0: team. is your strong suit. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Go
1: ahead. I don't even think it's that. I think it's just doing what, doing the obvious, you know, um, because a lot of guys don't get that right for whatever reason, and that's the easiest way to set yourself apart. So.
0: Yeah, following through with what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I believe the term for that is integrity, right?
1: Yeah yeah man and and I just you know when we started our company, um I mean you called me i was, i was everything was emergency, and uh, I still have that mindset, but like I just realized now, even me calling other contractors, not even plumbers, just stuff it's just there's not a lot of that sense of urgency or willingness to uh communicate and stuff like that um, so I don't know but so that's my qualifications. I'm a plumber. And I just try to
0: do what I say when I'm going to do it. Very cool. What um, what do you enjoy the most about your career? What do you like the most? So, about your well,
1: you know, I'm glad I'm a plumber, and if I had to do it all over again, I would. Uh, it's there's 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 days when you go out and do things that you know you just. You say you're in the gas station later and you hear a guy complain about how hard his day was. Well, you know you just worked a 36 hour shift. <laughs> so it's kind of the silent um things that you you think of or do for me that makes me feel good about my job is just knowing kind of what I had to do to get something done for someone. And you don't get a lot of pats on the back as a plumber. Nope. Um and even man, we just we got a one star review the other day.
0: Oh, we dug man. up a
1: sewer. Yeah, we we dug up the sewers for a home warranty company. Mm-hmm. Um, the customer left a review saying we left the pile too high, and we showed up late, and we, and uh, you know there was roots sticking out of the ground. Well, you know it's 20 degrees. Uh, we didn't really have a set time frame to show up because we had other jobs ahead, and we squeezed people in. You know, you get an emergency, you don't want to turn the work down. You got to fit it in right. somewhere. So it's one of those things. They didn't have a sewer. We really didn't have time, but we didn't want to lose the money or lose the customer. So we did it. But it's things like that where you really, we were there till 10 o'clock at night, you know. Wow. And so it sounds like and you went above and beyond. In our minds, you know, but that's what I'm saying. So like when you're a plumber, you don't get a lot of like good jobs or, hey, we really appreciate you guys. And when you do it special, it makes you feel good. Right. But um, what would you say that the sense of accomplishment for yourself and knowing how, how hard the guys you work with work that day to, you know, make someone's plumbing system work again.
0: Since you know, and I got to say, I, I think over time that's going to change. I, I I don't know. I'm optimistic, right? I mean, I have had those clients where no matter what you do, you can't please them, right? You know, you can yeah. be there until 10 o'clock at night in the middle of a snowstorm trying to get their plumbing fixed, but, oh, you were five minutes late, you know, it's Terrible customer yeah. service. You left a, a twig on my front yard, you know, hey, you know, we're humans too. Plumbers are humans. We make mistakes. I'm not saying that um, the customer's wrong, but what I am saying is, you know, I, I hope that changes. I do see it changing. I have had a lot of customers who go, hey, you know, you guys saved the day. And and you're right. Sometimes it is thankless, but you know, if you can have that within yourself, like, hey, I did a good job and I'm happy with the work I did. I'm satisfied. I know I went above and beyond. Sometimes that's worth more than, you know, someone else saying
1: it. It All that (laughs) matters.
0: Yeah. Right. You do 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, you know, um, it's that that that's what's important though. Just uh, when you go to bed at night, did you give it your all? That's that's what makes me feel good about the trade. There's not a lot of glamour and plumbing. That's one thing, you know, because I've been on plumbing associations and trying to find ways to get younger guys interested because how many employees do you have ricky uh
0: okay so it's me and jason uh brandon uh uh, there's we i basically have two apprentices one who's like in between apprentice and running his own van uh myself another master plumber and then i have a subcontractor crew it's a father and a son master plumber and journeyman so that's eight of us.
1: Do you have trouble finding people?
0: I did definitely have trouble finding people. I'm not looking to grow any more than where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um you know, I like the crew that I have. Um, but yes, I've definitely had, you know, I've had people who say that they know what they're doing and then they show up and they they don't know the trade. Um, I've had, yeah, I've definitely had difficulty in hiring people. And it's funny when I look to hire somebody, I find nobody. But when I decide I'm not hiring, then a bunch of people show up.
1: (laughs) That's life, man. Opportunities knock when you're not ready, right?
0: So you have to, you have to optimize, you know, like my, one of my slogans is always hire, always be hiring. Yeah, You know, keep, keep good talent coming in. If they're really as good as they say they are, They're going to pay for themselves, right?
1: Yep. So uh, something that we've been seeing is like, you got older guys, you got guys that are really good and they're either so well taken care of, they're not going anywhere or they're doing their own thing. Right. And somewhere in there is those guys that are so good, but they're hard to find. Right. And then you have young guys. um, And they don't know as much as they think and they, They promise you the world and you hire them at top dollar thinking you got a rock star and you realize they're making calls to their last employer for advice on what to do or the last guy they worked with. And then you got older guys that are like, I'm not doing that. I put in my time. I don't work on call. I don't do this. So for us, it's always like, how do you get younger guys interested in plumbing? Because when you tell somebody you're a plumber, you know what their first thoughts are, right? Um, And so something that, like in our area, we've been like trying to change uh image how people perceive us yeah um there was a roofing company that kind of did that here locally called well i won't say their name but it really changed the way roofers in our area uh looked and stuff because prior to this company kind of coming from where they did out of state to here and really changing that image um it was just old beat up trucks and stuff like that so
0: yeah a lot of the guys the i with higher, right
1: yeah i changing the image so that you can feel good about getting up and going and getting her done that day. Uh, guys that I grew up with are like your classic plumber. A lot of people probably think of when they think of a, a dirty plumber or something, you know, so it's kind of what we always want to look presentable, wear shoe covers, speak politely, um, stuff like that to try to change the image and set ourselves apart a little from some of these other guys around here that, that don't do it, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, I live in a larger market, so that's already happened here for the most part, I think. There's still, you know, look, in, in the area I live, there's 300-plus plumbing companies. Um, so it's mm-hmm. a very large market, and you've got everything. You've got the one-man bands, you've got the large, you know, 50-truck operations, and then you've got the small to medium-sized business owners like myself who've got three, four trucks on the road and um you know i i do think over time the image of plumbers is changing and that's that's one of the one of the big reasons i decided to start this podcast is i am a young guy i am a business owner um and i love what i do and i love working for myself and because the average age of plumbers is so high you know 50 60 even 70 sometimes There's a huge opportunity for young men and women to come into this trade, become educated, make top dollar, and then after several years of learning the trade, they can start their own business and write their own. Can you imagine in
1: in 10 or 20 years if things go how they do, some of these young kids, how much money they can make and success they'll have being a plumber or any trade?
0: I, I that's yeah. why I started this podcast man because it's it's an important message that needs to get out there you know plumbers yeah, we are not these dirty grungy you know imp- impotent you know unintelligent creatures we're human beings and and a lot of the smartest people that I've ever met are plumbers you have to yeah, be mechanically the implied. okay you have to be a good business have good business sense or your business will fall on the ground even if you're not a business yeah. friend, you need to understand communication skills because when you go to that client and you show them the pricing for that repair, if you don't communicate properly, they're gonna take a dish and throw it at you because you know it is yeah. expensive, right? Yeah, yeah. We're not yeah, cheap uh... Guys have to be well paid. They want. They're gonna demand health insurance, right? That's the nice thing about our trade. As an employee, you're gonna get health benefits. You're gonna make you know, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 pretty quick. If you hustle, you're going to have benefits yep. and a company truck and, a, you know, all these things that you, you're not going to get unless you get a, a five, six years in college and work your way up the corporate ladder. You can get it pretty quick. If you just bust your butt in a plumbing career.
1: So I know people have went to college uh, in my family that make about 18 bucks an hour, mm-hmm. you know, with a two-year degree, we're starting people at Fifteen, eighteen bucks an hour with no experience. Don't know what a, a vice grips are or channel locks, you know. So, wow. Um, yeah, I I don't know. We we struggle getting applications in. And man, we we advertise sixty bucks an hour, which is what we pay at our double time rate when you're on call. So not just a holiday, but if you're in a truck on a weekend running calls, it's double time, right? Um, and it's 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 tough getting applicants. Uh, right now, I don't know if the economy's so great that everybody's just happy where they're at or what, but it's kind of strange because even a few years ago, when we were a smaller company, we were getting more applicants. Uh, so, uh, something we're always trying to do is find the next best rock star, but what kind of our, since the first of the year, have decided we'd probably have to start training these young bucks. Um and get them growed up in it how we want them to and uh, take the reins here in a few years you know
0: yeah one of the things I've thought about is maybe going to some of the local high schools and asking if the principal would let me you know just speak to them and say hey you know I, I know your college guidance counselor is going to tell you look you got two choices military you know or uh, uh college but it's th- that's not the only two paths right yeah. That's not disrespecting the military. That's a great career choice if that's what you decide to do. Hey, you can be a plumber in the military and and do pretty well and get really good training. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, if you decide not to go the military route and you don't want to go to college, you can get into a skilled trade: HVAC, electrical, plumbing, roofing, whatever it is. You know, I say this to people all the time, and especially the younger guys that work for me. If you want to learn how to make more money in life, just become more skilled. That's where if, it's at. Your, your skills income, pay the bills, right? Your income goes up as your skills go up. Okay, and if you think of it like this, essentially every single job in the world is just a job that solves a problem, right? What about the garbage man? The garbage man solves a twenty dollar an hour problem. He picks up your trash. Yeah. Right? A master plumber solves a fifty or a sixty dollar an hour pl- problem, right? Or you know, if you're uh, flat rate, you know, two hundred bucks an hour, whatever it is, um, you know, uh, a cardiac surgeon, he probably makes five hundred bucks an hour, right? He's solving a very complicated problem. My heart needs a bypass, and I'm not going right. to. I'm not going to go to the mechanic, right? Call an I'm not electrician. Going to the guy that pressure washes. I'm definitely not calling an electrician, <laughs> <laughs> right? So I, I tell people this, you know, your income is directly proportionate to the difficulty of the problems that you can solve in your career. And that's
1: it. Yeah. Supply and demand. Uh, there's a lot of guys that can build a taco or a cheeseburger. Not a lot of guys that can come in and make your plumbing quit leaking and flood in your house, you know. Right. Um, now you guys are so, probably, yeah, is I it mostly basements,
0: mostly basements up there, I would assume?
1: We have a lot of basements. We have a lot of slabs uh okay, so you're you know it just
0: depends something like that
1: well you got you got slab houses which is concrete poured right on the ground right mm-hmm. um, and then you have crawl spaces and then you have basements Uh, but you know we have a lot of basements compared to some places too you know
0: yeah we don't have any here <laughs> no basements no i mean it's florida man the water level's like six inches down
1: but I had somebody put uh, like a two foot thick concrete floor and a bunch of sump pumps down in Texas because they wanted to have a basement. They were from here and they moved to Texas. So they just went all out and made that thing crazy. But, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I forgot I was going to segue into something when we were just talking there, but, uh, Oh, we were saying about what you tell your guys. I just, I told my guys this because when I was learning to plumb, I didn't know how to plumb and I was, cutting copper and cleaning it and cleaning fittings and then you know taking a bandsaw and cutting measurements for them and then i'd start putting talons on whatnot uh and then i started handing you know i'd hand them their wise and their 45s well pretty soon i wanted to have what they needed before they needed it before they asked next thing i know i'm the one up there doing it because i know what i need now right initiative that's always told my guys try to anticipate what these guys are going to need next so you have it before they ask And make yourself so valuable to them that it hurts too much to try to replace you. That's how you make more money is when the the pain of replacing you is cost you more than the money it takes to keep you, you know.
0: Yeah, I like it. Make yourself
1: invaluable. You can ask for whatever you want.
0: Can you um, share with us a couple of cool projects that you've done recently or a favorite project that you've done in the last year or two?
1: Um, You know, I'm not in the field a lot, Uh, the last big project, uh, other than, you know, difficult street cut sewers or maybe uh, a boiler, you know, or something like that in a laundromat where I needed to be there to kind of help guide what we were tearing out and putting back in, you know, replacing the big system. But, uh, you know, we did a trailer park, which doesn't sound glamorous, and it really wasn't, but there were 67 homes in that park. The people that bought it spent all sorts of money. We did the plumbing. So we come in with those people living there and replace the sewer and the water mains and then the service lines, put in meters on the water services. But we had to do it to where, you know, every day at the end of the day, everybody still have the sewer water. So we had the old systems and the new systems, and we ran it all and got it all done. And it took us about 70 days to do uh when that happened once when i bid that my main guy quit on me uh right before we started Ouch. And so it was me and three green guys with no experience uh, oh, and my brother ended up coming looking for me he's working at an aircraft <clears throat> place about a month into it and we just knocked it out man we just stayed on it and i he said hey it, when, we, when
0: are we gonna go home
1: I said, when the work when the work runs out we'll go home
0: but, uh, <laughs> there you go man that's pretty memorable <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a rough job. 67 taps. Whew. It
1: was it was uh we ran all the mains and then we ran all the the service lines to the mains, tie everybody in, and then ran all the water mains and water service lines. That was a pretty big project.
0: Yeah. How on earth would you do an inspection on, on a job that big? Because you have to, you know, you, it's not like you can like say, hey, you know, Mrs. Johnson, sorry your trailer doesn't have any sewer tonight. <laughs> You've yeah. got to tie so, tire back in.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I don't remember exactly the logistics, how we did it, but I know that while we were doing it, it was constantly thinking about how do I keep these people tied onto the old system, run the new system, tie this in. Um, Of course, it was all private lines, so none of it was marked. And so, I mean, there was days, man, we spent three, four hours fixing a water leak on a two-inch main that we were abandoning anyway. But just to get it back together and stop flooding, so then we could finish putting the new stuff in. So yeah, it was really memorable.
0: Rough, rough job. <laughs> Inspections. Luckily, uh,
1: you know, we the inspector on that job. I'd been working around since uh, like literally 1999, uh, and that was in 2016. So I had a I had a relationship with him to where uh, he'd come out and look at a section of stuff and cover it up. And if he couldn't make it out to look at some stuff we did, he trusted that we were going to do it right because ultimately the fells, we're the ones back out there, you know?
0: Correct. Yeah. And, and you're going to warranty your work. You stand by what you do, of course. That's yeah. what a plumber does. Yeah. So we're doing
1: life or 20 year warranties on sewers. Um, our competitors do 20 year warranty, um, but we transfer ours with ownership of a property. So like oh, that's if you're cool. flipping a house or selling a house, you know, and you have us do it. It's a selling point for us, but also gives, the, gives them some more value that something they can throw in is, hey, this company will warranty this even once you buy it.
0: What's the average sewer going for up there? You know, 50, 60 foot, six, seven foot down. Uh,
1: you know, it depends where the main is and it depends on what's in the ground. And I mean, it could be anywhere from $3,000 to $7,000. It depends on how much we have to hand to ground underground utilities, if we need a vacuum trencher, uh, or hydro excavator, you know, how we have to get into the property, get out, if there's landscaping, fencing. So there's a lot that goes into our bits to figure out what is worth it to take it on, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. What um what did you wish you would have known when you were an apprentice coming up in the trade? Take care of your body. I remember,
1: I remember cutting copper pipe with that bandsaw kneeling down and my uncle telling me, uh, you know, put it up on the saw horses or wear knee pads. And I, I didn't, and he said, come a day when you're going to remember me telling you this and you're going to wish you wore knee pads and I'm there. Oh so, man. Uh and I, I think crawling through crawl spaces and carrying the stuff we do and awkward positions we have to get in. I think it really messes our bodies up faster than the other trades and, and much faster than most professions, you know? So I feel like we're putting five years on our body for every year of plumbing we do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. It's definitely hard on your body if you don't do it the right way. Yeah. um how old are you if you don't mind me asking
1: 38 i believe 38
0: gotcha 37 38 somewhere in there what um what skills or character do you look for when evaluating a potential apprentice
1: so we always want skills because that is a fast track for us to get guy in a truck and share our workload um and make money but um what have realized is that skills either aren't present with the promises or um, maybe they're not the skills the way we want them to be done. So like rather than just always hiring on skill or the promise skill is more the character. So a background check, we check Facebook because people really just show who they are on Facebook. Yeah, um, that's true. It's just, small enough community of plumbers, supply houses, um, where we can ask inspectors. Some Sometimes we'll know the, the owner of the company they just came from. So we want to know what kind of character they have, why they are, are leaving the uh, last employment, and just kind of who they are. Um, and then, And then, you know, if they're coachable, then we can train them. And if they're smart, we can train them fast. So Really, it's a character thing over skill and, and has always been in the past. But like I'm saying, coming into 2021, we had a record year last year. And I could have easily just kept it rolling, man, and had free time to be out fishing tournaments and playing. And instead, I didn't like the way direction of things were going because um, people were too comfortable in the attitude and that great skill. But in five years, the vision I was having about where things were heading if we didn't make a change I didn't like so that's what I was saying earlier about us deciding we're going to train younger guys how we want them to be and so a big indicator of someone how good or bad they're going to be is put them on a shovel yeah and see how they handle that so shovel.
0: if you don't mind me asking what what kind of changes did you make and what did you I heard earlier that you'd let go one guy and another guy you said quit or
1: yeah, so uh, we had a meeting that we were potentially going to look at letting a couple guys go um, amongst the three, you know, me and, and two of my core guys, right, that I include on a lot of important decisions. I think one of them reached out to so one of them was like, hey, man, you might be getting let go. You need to change things. That guy quit the next morning. So something happened there. Um, the other guy, a lot of excuses. He lost his license. We were driving him around to get him the jobs. Uh, so I had to pair him up and the date just kept changing, you know, when he was getting it. So um, the other one was have plenty of skill, but it was things like not showing up with the company hat or uh, hair wasn't done, right?
0: Or not wearing
1: 5.11 tactical pants, khakis, and wearing blue jeans or whatever he decided to put on that day.
0: Right. Um, and when you're trying to build a company image it, and change it,
1: yeah. Yeah not, oh, yeah, not watching the van. Things that we had to coach a lot about, like, hey, like, where's the guy I hired and, and paid this much? What happened? <laughs> you know, he, let's get back left. on track.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, he follow our the
1: processes. What I always tell guys, man, is we're, we're not a huge company, right? Anyone could become anything. In my company, if they if I see him putting forth the effort, sure. um, So that's that's my thing with making the changes I did. Um, the one quit, but he was on his way out anyway. Just because uh, I don't one bad apple spoils the bunch, you know. And so going forward, uh, we want to train new guys in and not have a distraction, a guy putting his head down on the table at the meeting. You know what I mean.
0: So, um, yeah, you're trying to build a culture and if your team members are not on board with your vision, they can set you back. You know, it's like you said, one bad apple poisons the bunch, you know? Yeah. It really does. What
1: you just said is is something I've said a lot is, uh, and and when I'm coaching the guy, you know, I I have goals. My other guys have goals. I want to help them achieve those goals, but I want to, I want to achieve my goals too. And part of the reason I'm self-employed is because I want to rule my destiny. Sure. So being the owner, having all the stress, I'm not going to let a guy. Because when you work for somebody, you know the carrot over your head is that you work there and you get paid money, right? Well, then when you have an employee, uh, not doing what you are, not following processes you put in place to help everybody achieve their goals and achieve their goals to, get to the next level. It's almost like them controlling you with that carrot, and that's why I'm a business owner because I want to control my destiny. So if somebody's not in track with that, it's a tough decision. But um, I'm I'm trying to take the straight line to my
0: goals and dreams, you know. So, man, I love this next question. This is going to be a great one. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've overcome in your business and in your career?
1: Well, there's a there's a lot every day. Um, I don't know, man. I, I would I wouldn't say uh, there's one particular one I can think of. It's just there's challenges every day as a business owner. Um, when you start out. Some guys will start their company and they're always under the table. Uh, they never really truly have a business that works for them. That's just, they own their own job, right? Um, when you start out, some of the challenges I'm talking about is like, you hire an employee and then you gotta work comp. you need an employee handbook. There's all these things you gotta do that you learn along the way. And sometimes you're like, you know, crap, I didn't even know how to do that. I haven't even been following the law, right? So then you do that, and then you realize you gotta do this and that. So there's challenges starting your business along the way. Um, once you get all those out of place, then it, it's just always something. Uh one thing for me, man, is like managing personalities. I just I just want people to come in and do what they know they're supposed to do, you know. I uh, don't like drama, but my biggest challenge is just the the daily things you deal with being a leader or a business owner um all the other you have stuff to make is easy. tough decisions yeah you people that you know you hunt with and hang out with and it's the dichotomy of leadership the other stuff's easy uh putting out this fire and that fire and that is the easy part i think
0: well at one point it probably wasn't easy right
1: no um But like I said, you, you learn as you go and you just, what I always do is something comes up, you take care of it right then. You know, if I'm talking to you on the phone and I remember something like Ricky, I got to go. Cause I want to do it before I forget, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. So it sounds like you have as a business owner adjusted to a certain level of expectation of yourself, others and stress and, and you've compartmentalized it and now you know, you said, it's funny because all the business owners that I've talked to and, and whenever I interview them or, or call them, just chat with them, they always say, oh, you know, putting out fires is easy. But then I asked them, you know, was it always that way? And the answer is, ah, no. Okay, yeah, my first year, it was horrible. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, that that first year or two in business can be a killer. I, I'm just in, I'm in year three of my business. and." You know the personal development that I had to go through, and the heartache, and you know I, I almost failed, and then I succeed, and then there's a setup, and there's you know this and that, and it's not, you know, business ownership is not a linear up path. Sometimes you go up a step, sometimes you go down too. So
1: well, tell you where we're at is uh, we we used to struggle with calls, right? We took every call, every referral. Uh, every opportunity to upsell something. So we knew we had work the next day. And now that's not a problem. And I turn down a lot of calls every day just because we don't have the workforce to do them. And so try to wade through what we want, what we don't want, you know, or where the opportunity is. But uh, it went from getting the phone to ring was the biggest problem to the phone won't quit ringing. And I can't find anybody to hire to go do these calls, you know. And then, and then I would – so the back step a little, um, but one challenge is, is uh, you know, training guys and getting them out in the field to help handle the workload. Uh, right. but, but to – you know, as you build up your business, you have a certain amount of money you got to make every day to keep the business rolling. Everything above that's the gravy. It's your profit. Um, so to bring in guys and you're training them, you got to slow down a little – to train them. If you don't, right. it takes longer, and if you do, it's quicker. But then you also got to work fast enough to get as many things done as you need to. So that would be a challenge. Um, not a not a big deal, but just one of the growing pains, I would
0: say. What about in your career apart from a business owner? What do you think? What are the challenges, or some of the challenges that you've overcome as a plumber? Um.
1: Nothing, man. I'm a superstar plumber. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm <laughs> Cool. Uh, Very cool. I, I can't think of any. You know, well, I'll tell you, math. Uh, mm. Dude, I was in trouble every day. No shit. I got the Tree Killer Award in middle school for getting the most in-school suspension and detention slips. And the Tree Saver Award for never bringing a pencil and paper to class. <laughs> i quit paying Pay attention to math in sixth grade right i just put my head on the desk quit paying attention so th- the biggest challenge for me to get my master license was to learn fractions and the math yeah to, to be able to do the offsets to take off for a fitting for you know that would be the biggest challenge as a plumber though is just uh the math part of it so uh we're, so like, math my is uncle that, it is yeah Mm-hmm. but but if they would have taught math, how I use math, I would have liked it, you know? So I'm figuring percentages and growth rates and uh, all these things that weren't applied in a way that made me interested in it, um,
0: so. Very cool. Um, we kind of touched on this a little, little bit earlier, but I, I really want to flesh this question out for a little bit. What are some of the stereotypes that you have come across as a plumber and do you think those stereotypes are starting to go away? Is the image of the industry starting to change?
1: I think so. Um, the stereotypes that we talked about, you know, the plumber's crack. Uh, how many times have you heard somebody say, hey, payday's on Wednesday. You don't bite your fingernails and shit rolls downhill.
0: Oh, man. You know. Yeah. Every, every week. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, you know, you get people that they tell you they would do it themselves, but they don't have time. You know, like oh, whatever they That's an
0: annoying one. I haven't heard that one in a while, but Please. I hate that one.
1: Yeah, my husband was going to do it, but he do not have time.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a lack of respect for your profession? Right?
1: It feels like it to a lot of guys. You know, uh, I've heard it and feel disrespected. You know, you show up on Super Bowl night and there's a house full of people in their toilet backed up and, hey, shitters back there. Nah. so uh call hey love the shitters over there that's the kind of stuff you know guys i that work for me were like this guy's an asshole um and then of course when you uh hand them the bill they're like whoa you guys take payments you know so um, you guys do time and material so cool or you flat rate or so we're kind of a hybrid man if if somebody calls and um it's just a our job you know it toilet won't quit running or whatever we'll just come over there fix it and charge an hour right if it's gonna take more than a couple hours or two guys then we'll quote it and uh they know up front we know that we got some blue sky in there for profit and we're not just gonna go do a you know thousand dollar job for 220 bucks and spend half the day there so yeah so we really kind of do a hybrid version of it
0: cool you make it work for your business um, back to the stereotypes yep. question. So, um, okay, so some of the, those are some of the stereotypes, and the disrespect. That's that's the biggest thing for me. You know, that's what really has always gotten me really heated. Um, because you know, I, I don't know if HVAC technicians have that same problem, right? I don't know yeah. if um, you know other skilled trades. Like, if you were just to do boilers, and you were a boiler guy. I don't know that they have to go through the same thing, right? Because most homeowners realize, like, I'm not going to work on my own boiler, okay? I'm not going to work on my HVAC system. And most of them wouldn't touch their electric, very few. But because Home Depot sells PVC fittings and CPVC, homeowners think, oh, you know, I can fix this. I can go to Home Depot and buy all the parts, right? Water heaters. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's a huge one. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead
1: oh i was just gonna say you know um it's people people think we carry we wear suspender overalls and carry a plunger in our back pocket and everybody's got that logo with the wrench and the guy with the plunger you know
0: Oh, that's so yeah so annoying
1: (laughs) yeah i I just think there's a, a kind of where people think plumbers are dumb uh dirty they handle feces you know and to where uh like I said, the bub, like around here, you call somebody bub, it's almost like you're calling them an idiot, you know?
0: Disrespectful, um, yeah.
1: But it, yeah, it's just that. And it's kind of the fault of these old dudes that taught us, man, the way they that ran around. It's the, it's the
0: prior generation of plumbers that is to blame. And yep. Yeah, I think that's true. Because you know what's funny is if you look at the 1930s and 40s and 1920s, Look at an old 1930s plumbing parts book. You'll see a little cartoon and the plumber's wearing, he's got a suit or he's got, you know, like maybe not a polo, but he's got a white shirt and a tie. Maybe it's a short sleeve uh-huh. shirt and maybe he has the suspenders, but he's wearing dress clothes and he looks professional. He's, or he's got a long sleeve shirt that's rolled up and, you know, there's professionalism and somewhere between the 1940s, you know after the the second World War in like the seventies and eighties, the image of plumbers went way downhill and I think it's because they started promoting um college as the end all be all and so the talent pool went in a different direction
1: yeah yeah no i I would say so uh, plumbing is it's you gotta be a electrician a plumber, a sheet rocker, a cabinet guy a trim guy. You Gotta know a lot of things to do a good job at service. Um, when you're in nice houses, you really gotta be careful. You gotta yeah. you gotta carry in a hundred and fifty pound machine, but also wear shoe covers and gloves and not ding up the doors. Like it's a lot of things you train guys to where they don't just drag something in and make a mess. So you gotta be a lot of things going on in your mind. But when you start making a cut in a wall, you gotta know there's electric back there. Uh they nail the the plate to the stud and you know. Uh, there's going to be space and just things that if you never were in trades before you wouldn't know but a plumber kind of really knows all those things to do a good job or a good plumber would you know um, but if you have to disassemble something rather than destroy their house you take it apart in a way where you can put it back and they don't have to call out a cabinet guy a sheetrocker, a painter you know to be mindful of all the other trades to do your job right
0: yeah. Taking pride in your work. Um, you know, it's going to be up to guys like us who were going to be the ones to change the image of plumbers. And really more yeah. than that, we have to pass the torch off to those young guys. That's, that's why I started this podcast. That's why I interview guys like you, because I really believe the next generation of plumbers, you know, it's like you said, they're, they're going to be making doctor cardiac surgeon level money easily. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, so I try to tell guys like, you could literally probably name your price like really now I don't know what the market's like there in Florida, but, uh, my own experience calling other trades to do things for me, for my own personal stuff is, is horrible to get people to answer the phone to show up to schedule the, just the way they schedule I mean, just, things are just like, it's a joke. Right. Um, and just for a guy to get in the trade now, um, we can, we can, ask for a pretty good premium and get it as plumbers now but in 10 years 20 years uh, a skilled plumber is gonna be driving a ferrari and you know doing really well for himself and there are
0: already several who do that
1: yeah yeah
0: they're out there i mean the the success story of some of these plumbers is ridiculous i mean it's awesome and the other thing to to
1: the other thing I was thinking earlier when I was reading your questions, so like for a young kid to get into the trade, they don't, you don't have to be a plumber your whole life, but you can go out in four years and make enough money to really kickstart any of your dreams and use the use the profession until you can get something else going. Like uh, me, my brother that plums with me, we don't just plumb, but we flip houses. Uh, I'm an inventor. We do a lot of other cool stuff. Uh, we fish tournaments so plumbing you know the on the facebook page plumbing pays for it like these kids need to realize like you don't have to retire as a plumber but there's not a lot of other jobs you can get where you can make as much money as fast and use that to uh, realize your dreams whatever they are
0: and i think an important part of this equation is when you do a good job as a plumber you actually feel you feel good you know i i i Sleep very well as a plumber because I know that I'm doing an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. I didn't scam anybody out of their money. I earned every dollar that I put into my bank account. And that, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, if you work as a Wall Street investment banker, can you say that? (laughs) You're stealing money from somebody, right?
1: Somebody's losing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, You know, another thing with, Plumbing or the other trades too, Uh, because they're all they're all a good thing for younger kids to get into. But you can't really go to college and make the wages you can make starting out in these trades. You're gonna, you know, you don't have to be an intern for free. You just you come out and we're paying you to go to college because your journeyman's equivalent of a bachelor's degree. Your master's is a master's degree. But you you like walking into your college every day and getting a check at the end of the week. You know, sounds like Correct. a lot better deal to me than college.
0: Yeah. So you said you're an inventor and you flip houses. Can you tell us about some of your side hustles and your other other hats that you wear?
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, real estate. We got into you know six or seven years ago, just buying stuff that people were scared to touch and completely renovating it and and doing really well that way. Um, Very cool. Commercial properties and rental houses and things like that so um flipping homes though i mean honestly man there's some days where i'm like i'll just sell this business and go flip homes because i don't got to deal with nothing but getting the thing done right you know but that's one thing we do uh this this thing here i've been drinking see that
0: yeah what is that
1: so uh it's called a bottle bobber Uh i have this injection made in china this injection mold so uh, I fish a lot, and this is an adapter to turn any beverage bottle into a bobber. So you put your fishing line through there, you stick that in there, put that friction plug in, and that attaches it to your line, and then you
0: got, you know, flotation. Oh, man, we'll that's smart. Yeah, yeah. so then you can fish on top. I like it. That's cool. Yeah. You're a
1: hunter too, right?
0: Yeah, we hunt all the time. I see pictures all the time, man. It looks like a blast. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> it's fun, man. You guys, uh, you hunt ducks down
0: there? No, I, I am not a hunter yet. It's something I want to get into. Uh, funny enough, my dad was a vegetarian growing up as dumb as that is. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I'm a carnivore. I eat the carnivore diet. So I pretty much eat meat all day long. I'm the exact opposite. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: right. no, I, I, I love to do
1: that
0: yeah, I know. Mean, uh, so, it's it's good for you, you know. It's good to get all the carbohydrate out of your diet. I whenever I eat carbs, I get really really bloated and um I get terrible headaches and um yeah, it's just inflammation. Um, yeah, really bad inflammation, you know. Sugar is not yeah. sugar kills people, man. It really does. It's horrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so uh look at look at when they started making high fructose corn syrup and putting it in everything and look at the nation's obesity problem it's it's insane and you can literally pick up almost anything at a grocery store and look at it's got corn syrup in it so uh me you know obviously i'm not a dietitian, but every once in a while I'll go on a, a diet for a while and cut carbs and the way you feel man is crazy just yeah wake you up and her, you take know, clear
0: I'll do some yeah. extended fasting where I'll I'll just fast salt water for a couple days and the inflammation just goes away. My stomach flattens out. I, I just feel so much better and the energy levels go through the roof. It's crazy.
1: I did three days uh, and then I, I ended it with a ribeye steak.
0: That's uh, perfect.
1: Three day fast. Last yeah, year. That's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great way to end a fast because you're getting lots of proteins and fats. You know, that's a that's a great way to end a fast. That's probably one of the best awesome. ways to do it. Besides bone broth. The best. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> Very cool, man. So you so plumbing has given you a foundation for you to pursue things that you love. Fishing, hunting. Um, obviously your invention is fishing related. Have you made other inventions?
1: You I, I invented a piggy bank that uh as you put money in it, it gets fatter.
0: Oh, that's um, cool.
1: Yeah. Got the patent on it. And, uh, on that one, you know, I didn't do enough research. And so what happened was when you, when you get a patent, there's an initial price you pay, sure. but a patent attorney, when they send, when the USPTO sends him a letter and he reads it he sends you a bill for 185 bucks. So there's, a, it's 20 or 30 grand for a simple patent. Um, on that particular one though, I didn't do a patent search. It was expensive. What happened on it was it come back in like 1976, Uh, someone had created one similar to it and so I was just like it was the problem with that one was uh, it had to be made in two different molds and then put together and painted right with the eyes and stuff like that so uh, a buddy of mine that's an inventor he's an electrician he invented uh, some cool stuff but uh, he always told me he could have made more money making a book on how not to spend your life savings inventing something, and the one thing that always stood out to me was like, you want an invention that's a hula hoop? I mean, because it costs pennies to make, and every household in America has one and you, and you have like a thousand percent markup and And what he did was he made a shop bag actually had his own shop bag made. And then he had these little templates that suck onto the wall with the shop back. And he made his own Roto zips and his own Roto zip blades to cut out for those boxes on a remodel. And it sucked the dirt and dust away. So he spent just a ton of money and it's such a real niche market that there's, you never would make his money back. Yeah. And so it's it's a a wider audience, but that's kind of on things now when I think of something as you know, yeah, I can have it made, I can make it, but then what is the feasibility of getting it to market and trying to
0: make right. money? Is there a market for it, you know?
1: Well, you know, a few years ago, uh OSHA required everybody to start vacuuming, you know, collecting. The, yeah, the dust so or... the silica, dust, yeah, concrete dust and all that. So I think it was early. Uh I think that he would have uh, done better you know, 15 years later, but one oh, of those well. things.
0: It is what it is, right? Yeah. All right. Um, I love this question. This is one of my favorite interview questions. Do you think plumbers play an important role in protecting the health of the nation? Why or why not?
1: Yep, yep. I actually have a poster that says that in our office at the shop.
0: The American so, Standard Yeah, one. man.
1: yeah. You know, everybody uh, contributes the the fall of diseases and viruses to vaccines and doctors. Yes. But really, a big part of that is indoor plumbing, um, with chlorinated water. We have drains that carry the waste out and away from contact with us and our animals that can have a disease that's zoonotic and can pass back and forth from animals to us so, all that now, instead of it being a cesspool or open sewers in the streets is all contained in its own system and is treated and goes back to environment sanitary. So I think it's a huge role. Um, and then also if you're a good plumber, not only you're protecting the health of the nation that way, but also not allowing screwed up gas lines and
0: uh, cross contaminations to exist when you're able to intervene yeah cross contamination's a huge one that doesn't get talked about enough. um do they require backflows where you're at
1: so yeah, sprinkler systems, water powered backup sump pumps um but nothing on the main nursing. line city tap no, not here. They started doing that on uh buried hydrants, so
0: it's a newer one yeah, I think.
1: backflows.
0: Well, so every commercial building here, and and you can tell me what you think about this. Every commercial building in Hillsborough County and surrounding areas has to have a backflow, which is great. The problem is, is the residences don't, unless they've been identified as a cross-contamination hazard for whatever reason by the water purveyor. Well, who's more likely to have a cross-contamination, a commercial building or a residential building? You tell me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, I mean, you they. I don't know what the market's like up there, but there's a lot of chuck and truck type of guys, Joe Blow characters who are not plumbers, but do plumbing work. And you oh, know, know, let's tie a reclaimed water line into your sprinkler system that's tied into your main water system, and there's no PRV. Yeah, you know, it's uh, no, it's a no ADB or whatever, you know there's no vacuum yep. breaker in between there's no protection there's no backflow and then next thing you know the, the the people in that home are getting sick and yeah uh it's i think it's cool. here's, I think the, to be here's the thing. Of
1: everything. brings up a good point is uh to, like we have to hold our inspectors accountable for one it starts at pulling permits doing things to code Um, What sucks about that is if you tell a customer it's going to be this much money because I have to do this and that and she calls your competition and they say they're cheaper than you and they're not bringing up the code issues or they say, hey, that's not that big of a deal. It's uh, hyped up or whatever, right? You're going to lose business. Um, They may perceive that you're trying to do things that didn't need done to make more money. But if everybody was on board We all held our jobs to the code and a standard, you know, the code books, your friend and the code enforcement officers really are your friend because that's what protects your job and gives you the credibility that you're a licensed plumber. You have to do something by code. It's just more money in your pocket and it's supposed to keep out the riffraff. But what happens is you get a lazy inspector that doesn't want to have to go write those tickets and go chase these guys down. And then you have hacks and handymen running around doing your job that you're doing continuing education, um, your licensing, your insurance and all that. Right.
0: Yeah. So, it's frustrating. So It's frustrating because I, you know, down it here, with us to, go ahead. I'm sorry. Hold,
1: it starts with us to have a relationship with the inspectors, but then also you know, we got to, some of them, we have to educate, like we have to justify their job by them doing their job, us paying for permits pays for their job. But then also part of their job is to cite people and to keep those guys from coming into our market, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's weird because down here, the inspectors, the the ones who inspect us aren't the same ones who go out and cite the homeowner or cite the contractor. Down here oh, really? the, pl- the police are the ones who are in charge of enforcing the contracting laws. And so what I've seen is that the contracting laws are not very well enforced. And so you've got a per- a large percentage of the market that's doing everything up to code in legitimate licensed contractors, licensed plumbers, insurance, workers comp, you know, all the things that you have to have to run a legitimate business. And then another part of the market, a very large swath of the market, is unlicensed chucking a truck. You know, probably doesn't have truck insurance, definitely doesn't have workers' comp insurance. There's no way he has a license. Um, Doesn't pay taxes. Right. Doesn't pay taxes. It's cash or nothing, man. Um, And unfortunately, that has kind of, you know, there's enough illegal um, contracting and you know, a part of that is, I think there's a lot of undocumented workers down here. Yeah. And it is a problem. Um, and we don't really have the enforcement mechanism that I would like to have, like, you know, some states go over the top, like if you go to like New York, okay, you got to have a permit to fart and cough, right? But there's a fine line where Okay, we want to regulate this trade, this industry, the plumbing industry, the electrical industry, the HVAC industry. Why? Because it is a skilled set of labor and a skilled set of people that can do this job properly. And there's a large percentage of people who think they can do it, but actually do more harm than good. And
1: Ricky, if you were driving around a truck doing unlicensed medical procedures or practicing law, don't you think they'd enforce it better?
0: Yeah, and that's that's part of the issue, right? So it goes back to the image of plumbers, um, and, and I'm not meaning to complain. This is just you know one of those issues that's near and dear to me because I see it on a daily basis. Yep. You know, when you quote a client, you know, I don't know, two uh, hundred something dollars to to clear a drain out for them, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm just going to call the guy down the road who will do it for forty bucks." Well, I should have been a happens? plumber right yeah yeah but what they don't understand is you know it's not like that two hundred dollars is straight profit you know maybe ten percent of that is profit the rest of it goes to paying yep. your employees paying workers comp got to make sure the irs gets fed right yeah um That's there's right. a lot of hands that money has to go to before you make a nickel
1: yep it's uh i seen someone saying i don't remember uh. About educating the customer about that i i don't even want to have that conversation with the customer you know uh, yeah i'm, I'm the same like, dude we're just you know we have we have overhead but because of what happens like with me uh if i start talking about it pretty soon i'm like ranting about it like i gotta pay this, I gotta pay this. so i just yeah. avoid it like hey that's our price uh, sure you can find someone cheaper there's a lot of cheaper companies out there if you don't want us to do it we won't do it what happens sometimes man is as people call you back because no one will come out or answer or they clean it and they can't get it open so a good way to avoid even having to have that conversation though is just uh selective about the demographic you target and then
0: yeah what your we bad customers. Customers. yeah we uh we have a shop fee so it's you know mm-hmm. you call it a diagnostic fee or a A service consultation, evaluation, whatever you want to call it, but it's a shop fee, right? And that shop fee is—I'm not coming out to your house unless my guy is getting a check for sixty-nine dollars. That's the minimum. Yeah, and it's very fair. And what I found is it it weeds out a lot of the tire kickers. You know, you charge for estimates. Um, I give free estimates on water heaters, water softeners, remodels. Redrains, repipes, and if it's a contractor and we're doing a job for them, I'll give them a free estimate. Um, mm-hmm. I do not do trouble calls or service calls as a free estimate, never.
1: Yeah, you know, so people confuse uh, free estimate with troubleshooting. You know, um, they wouldn't come out and diagnose the problem, use your skills and your years in the field to figure it out for free, right? We charge. Uh, not a little old lady calls me, and I can tell she's been screwed over by fifty people, and not going to pay us the eighty-nine dollars for the estimate. Sometimes, if we're slow, we'll go ahead and do it for free. But we charge eighty-nine bucks, and if they go with us, then you know, if it was a thousand-dollar job, then now it's eighty-nine dollars less because sure. they've already paid it. Um, weekend calls, we charge up front our minimum, uh, which is two ninety-nine for the first hour.
0: To get a credit so, card, uh, we'll do that.
1: Yeah, and with that way, man, it weeds out. We went at midnight to go change out a water heater that was leaking to find out the person didn't have any money, you know, once we put it in. And you learn those things. I tell you what happens is like, what you know, I'm remembering some things now, but earlier when you asked me some of the things we've, the problems okay. and challenges. You figure these things out and you you nip it in the bud and then you kind of get complacent and you forget and then someone gets through the cracks and gets you and then you remember oh yeah that's why we should have collected that card up front on a saturday you know but uh, i've noticed you can spend a fortune sending guys out to go do free estimates or some free troubleshooting um and you're missing a lot of opportunities with customers that are willing to pay your trip fee or whatever you want to call it um so that's that's why we've really gone to that, and it's it's been better. I mean, our best year has been that way. One thing when we started out, me and my first guy, which I, like, lucked out with him. He's been one of my best employees uh, since I've been in business. Um,
0: I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, About one one year after you had disemployed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we were working like every day, 14 hour days or 20 hour days. We did three sewers in one day one time. Uh worked to like six in the morning. But um uh, I told him, I said, dude, we're gonna raise our prices until we're just steady. So just incrementally raised our price. We start out at 75 an hour and we're at 139 an hour in 10 years. So we've just added a little every year. But um never noticed other than a few customers maybe that would complain and say, we're too expensive now, but just the growth, you know, and like last year we did almost double our best year. So that's awesome.
0: Do um, you mind sharing me what with kind our of friends. growth you had last year?
1: So, um, we went from 780 to
0: 1.2 and wow. our goal was
1: 1.24. Uh, that's awesome. So we almost it's hit it. Good. Yeah. We almost hit it. I had, a, I had a guy in our meeting when I told him what our goal was going to be. I had two guys snicker and laugh and I said do you think that's unobtainable? You know. Oh, I just think it's crazy. It's not. Uh, you set a goal that's reachable so we can hit it. I said, well, we've set a goal that's reachable. It's not really a goal is it. So we got wow. like that close, you know. That's awesome, man.
0: Very cool. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what role do you think education should play in a plumber's career?
1: Well, um, you know, really depends what kind of education we're talking about. Cause like I said, man, I was in trouble all the time. Uh, I hated school. I got kicked out my senior year and how to get my GED. So, I,
0: I don't of- think education and school are the same thing. I am a self learned yeah. Individual I believe, yeah, um, education is what you put yourself through. School is what you're forced to go through.
1: yeah, so education happens every day, you know, and if if not, you're yeah. doomed, but uh you know learn something every day, even like I told a guy before, like I go to jobs all the time where I learn something new or learn something I forgot I knew, you know, so uh, you're never going to know everything about the trade. And you're gonna forget things and you're gonna get those slaps in the faces that remind you you know that you knew or forgot but as far as like school probably not super important but just being coachable and uh being able to learn you know from whoever's trying to teach you um that's probably the most important in our trade and and personal development built. right yeah
0: yep Cause you don't just grow as a plumber, right? You start off as an apprentice and then four or five years later, you've got more responsibility. Well, as you take on more responsibility in your career, you're going to grow as a person because when people depend on you, you either nut up or shut up. Right. That's it. And when you're a business owner, that's another level up, right? You know? The, the levels of yeah. responsibility that you take on force you to grow as a as an individual and as a plumber.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Um, there's guys, you know, that never take that responsibility in life or in the trade and you see where they end up. And then the guys that do, the sky's the limit, you know.
0: I, I've seen drugs ruin a lot of guys' careers.
1: Yeah. It's there's, sad. There's a lot of, yeah. I mean, there's a guy that worked for me, man, uh, years ago that is a great plumber, a mathematician, you know, but just has his vices. But it does. It's run to a lot of guys.
0: Pretty bad yeah, stuff. it's tough. I think at every business owner I talk to, they say they've had some kind of experience with drugs.
1: Yeah. That's uh, background checks, drug testing, you know. Um, Important it is and it's kind of a way of weeding out problems later uh you know man when you get busy or you lose someone then you're like you're just your your vision gets clouded i hired a secretary one time and uh to run our shop in another town and me and my secretary at the time who was solid i was looking at her like couldn't believe this lady walked through i was like we hit gold with this one she's every she said all the right stuff uh we hired her, got her over there. And I went in one night and the office or in the union, the office was locked. And so I knocked and there was plastic all over my floor and the vents were down and there was Christmas decorations <laughs> and crafts. And I was like, I don't remember her name. I was like, what's going on? She's like, oh, I was just trying to get some stuff done. I said, well, why is the door locked? Well, because people were trying to come in here and uh, I had this one lady came in here and was asking me if we did this and we did that. And she's like, it was really weird. Was like, that's a customer, <laughs> you know? So we were so like tunnel vision on, we got to find somebody to take this role that our our judgment just was gone. I and mean, we both thought she was a rock star. And then we realized she was on drugs or something. She was real bizarre, you know, but yeah. the same with plumbers. If you just take the steps and slow down. To get someone in place, you'll save yourself a lot of trouble uh, down the road than to try to just fill a spot. And I've, I've learned that I've had to be educated of that
0: several times. You know. Yeah. Why do you think a why should a younger person consider joining the pipe trades or becoming a plumber?
1: Well, let's say job security. Um, you can go anywhere right if you're a 20 year old and you've been plumbing since you were 16 pretty much probably travel anywhere you want to go and get a job job. lightning quick and be able to have a decent living wherever you go right so for a young kid whether you stay put or you want to move around and see things i mean a couple phone calls and you should have a job um, and it allows you to have more freedom and make money or do whatever your goals are
0: pretty quickly especially with the internet now because you know like you know people are going to see this interview on youtube right and your name's going to be out there and you know maybe there's a young guy who's working in you know some small town in new hampshire and he decides Mm -hmm. you know what that brick guy sounds like a really cool guy and i I got family in, in in his part of town in kansas and Maybe I'm going to call him up and see if he'll give me a job, and if not you know yeah. I'm sure there's other plumbers who would be happy to hire him, but yeah there, you can literally work anywhere in the country and although there is a slight disadvantage uh depending on where you live and where you're going, you know whether your license will transfer or whatever, you know your job security is still there
1: yeah and and the the license thing though man uh, you know i it's important and it shows a guy took the initiative to get it but at the same time if a kid came to me and had been plumbing with his uncle like I did back in the day and I could and I could test him and see how the skills he's still going to make a good wage because ultimately it's what you know how well the job you can do and what your work ethic is that's what really pays you the license is a plus and it's a good foot in the door but there's more important things um, to me, than whether a guy walks in with a piece of paper.
0: Yeah. And communication skills are you know, so important too. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give to a high school or college student who may be considering a career in the plumbing industry or pipe trades? Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Nike, baby. Just do it.
1: I if I could go back and be in high school again, knowing what I know now. I would, I would take plumbing. It took me years to really accept that I was going to be a plumber, right? Because it's not glamorous. It's hard work. Uh, you're when you're in new construction, you're in a in a hole in the ground, jackhammering, and it's hot, or it's freezing cold, or you got mud up to your ankles, uh, or you're in a house that's raining and leaking on you, or it's hot, or you're freezing your ass off, right? Um, it's hard work, but so it took I. I wanted to find something else when I was younger and it took me a while to really accept to be a plumber, want to be a plumber and then hone in on my skills and learn and, and, and knowing what I know now, I could have really, you know, could be better off now, you know, I'm not doing bad, but, uh, that's, that's what I would have done differently is just really figure the trade out and run with it.
0: Very cool well i think that's probably pretty much it i've got one last question for you unless there's something else you feel like we need to touch on
1: uh yeah i don't not what's the other question
0: it's the most important one if you could do (laughs) it all over again would you still choose to be a plumber Uh, yeah oh
1: yeah very cool awesome plumbing paid for this
0: Hey, it looks like you got a nice house too. Nice little fireplace going on in the background. Looks cozy. Yeah, yeah, I just
1: I just bought this place, Ricky, uh, December twenty
0: third. Oh, great! Congratulations. Seventy
1: eight hundred square foot.
0: Oh man, seventy eight hundred square foot. I bet it was cheap compared to Florida. How how much did you pay for it? If you don't mind me asking.
1: I won't tell you, but I I did get a good deal.
0: Okay, good for you. Well, I I I don't buy
1: nothing unless I can make money off of it, right? Good for you. Because we work too hard for our money to to spend it ignorantly, right?
0: Yeah. So very cool, man. Thank you so much for the interview. I think there's a lot of good nuggets in here. I think, you know, the younger generation is going to see this and, you know, you get a lot of, a lot of wise words and it seems like you're a very successful guy. And, um, I just hope that this serves as an inspiration to, know a 17 18 year old or even a 20 22 year old and maybe become a plumber
1: yeah me too it's uh like like we were saying the trade's changing the way people look at plumbers is changing and uh all it takes is a few of us to elevate ourselves to appeal to these younger guys get them in the trade and just show them show them the right way like we said some of the personas and uh way people perceive plumbers is a, is because of the generation before us. so it's our responsibility to show the next generation how to do it right
0: yes sir all right man i'm signing out thank you so much Britt.
1: take care man have a good night
0: wow what an amazing podcast and what an amazing interview guest i really enjoyed having Britt on and i really enjoyed talking to him Thank you so much for making it this far and listening. It really means a lot. If you think this podcast has touched you or affected you in some way or or helped your life in some way, please share, like, and subscribe. You can find our YouTube channel at youtube.com. Search for Plumber's Journey Podcast. And if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps. Thank you so much. Until
1: next time.